Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Nurse Freedom International live stream. So good morning, good evening, good afternoon to everyone, wherever you may be. I hope you are doing well and you're at your best state of mind and best connections or relationship. Because today we are very excited to have Azra Adiba or Azra Bukhari back to Quantum Nurse podcast. And so on for all of you, if this resonates to you, please feel free, share it, share it now or share it after. After, I will make sure that I will upload this podcast on the Quantum Nurse podcast Beat Shoot and Quantum Nurse Rumble, and it will also be published at earthheroes.tv. So there it is. So you will not be deprived if you cannot make it. Well, welcome, Azra. So for those who don't know Azra, she has been really working and helping people of different background, different situations, preventative, curative, emergency situations that she could offer for their, for their wellness. She is also an author of the book, Metal Illness on Muslims, Microbes and Metals, and which is the most misunderstood elements of our time. And that's the whole title of her book. And today, we kind of agree that we'll talk about connection. And so that's the main theme is connection is the cure and help the people heal. Welcome, Asra. Do you want to tell them more about you before we carry our conversation? Hi, Grace. It's so great to be back with you and your viewers. Uh, peace and blessings. Assalamu alaikum to everyone. Um, well, as I mentioned last time, I just got into the whole health um, accidentally, although psychology was my background in terms of solving mysterious illnesses, things that doctors weren't getting to the root of, that was accidental because of just trying to get solutions for my children. And then it moved on to community members, anybody, um, anybody that is in the public interface has to recognize that there are global uh, health issues. I mean, there's, it's just um, at, at massive levels, both of the body and the mind. So anybody involved in the public, frankly, will hear people talk about their lack of health. So um, that's how I got into this. And today's topic is really crucial because regardless of how bad the situation looks out there, of how difficult and for sure, it's very difficult to see what's going on. We didn't touch upon it last time, but um, the massive psychosis that is going on, you could see road rage, you could see argumentation, disputation. Um, everywhere you go, I see people out of control. And we know what those toxicities are coming from. So they're all exacerbated as far as I'm concerned. So it has to be addressed. So connection is the cure. So let's start with, um, there is a narration um, in the Islamic tradition that God said, I was a hidden treasure. I wanted to be known. So I created creation. So for us, the first connection is with our creator. And so if we don't have that, 
And then secondly, with all of the prophets, because they're the best of mankind. And so what we see is when there is a lack of connection with the creator, and then also a lack of connection with his God's prophets, then we will have uh, a void, to say the least. We may have the whole gamut of issues. So it's at the core. And then, of course, we're also talking about connection with each other. We have to have all of it. Every single community in the world, every single religion, at the core of it is community, which is connection with each other. So what we can say is we can jumpstart the healing there, and we can say that's the core of healing. It's And it's for sure, psychologically, it's something people definitely don't understand. It really is the cure. And I mean it literally, metaphorically, in every single way. And hopefully we'll get into some examples. I'm glad you started with that image because when um, every time I really read the word connection, especially you know, with that statement, connection is the cure. I can imagine like the vertical connection and the horizontal connection. So yeah, primarily we go vertical. So like that kind of brings me back to the thought and the recognition and the respect and the acknowledgement that, you know, we come from something, some somewhere more divine and that it has to, oscillate i have said our 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 understanding has to come together to understand that that uh, we have such a relationship and with a divine that for each of us coming from different faith different beliefs there's still a relationship there so yeah and if we can come together then you know that will be great and then but at the same time not to neglect that we're here we have our friends and families our work our uh, other institutions are the you know where the plants the, the all the creatures in this earth so that's like for me horizontal and of course when not not again not to uh, separate those thoughts but to bring it to come together that it becomes like a sphere of relationships that you know when coming together that reminded me of what you wrote me about ripples so do you want to bring it back to that effect of the ripples whether it's an effect that would be good or for us you said not to respond you know things on a ripple yeah absolutely so the person who is balanced in their connection so it comes with that very strong connection with the creator won't be off kilter so let's say something surprising astonishing or shocking these words usually don't even come to play with someone who is god conscious there's no word like shock actually we should share that word shock and the okay. prophet muhammad peace be upon him which today is his birthday by the way i mentioned last time oh. that there is a lot of um you know this the between the prophet yes between the prophet muhammad's birthday today Maulid mubarak to everyone um and then jesus birthday so we have a lot of time to connect now 
in between these birthdays. And I hope the world uses it and utilizes it to live in harmony. So yes, absolutely. We need that connection because it will prevent the shocking kind of response. So, or astonishing responses. And you can see that what's the difference between someone who is whole, wholesome in well-being is that they're able to respond, right? Response ability. We talked about it last time. Yes. It's not about so much about action. What actions are you doing today? But your real metal is when there is some reaction to be made, when something surprising is happening around you, what are you made of at that time? You know, what response do you have? So it's, and what does it go back to? So on all the other days where, uh, you know, hopefully we're not having to live in a life where there are astonishing happening, things happening all the time. Unfortunately, we may say that may be happening because of the world we live in now, which also tells us why there is massive psychosis. We're not supposed to be living in fight or flight continually. And some people are because of the constant traumas they're being uh, inflicted or affected by because of just the health scares or living in fear that is being promulgated. So that's, you know, the, all of that is a whirlwind going on around us. But guess what? The ones who are doing the best in handling it are the ones who already had this practice of responsibility, the right reactions, which come from the practices of Sufis, the practices of those who meditate, because they were already meditating on those other days. So a day where your reaction comes into play, you're able to be on guard and the ripples won't happen so chaotically. The ripples will be symmetric. That's the difference. We can have symmetry, which leads to beauty, right? That's one of the definitions of beauty. So um, interestingly, there is, I was reading about Dr. Andrew Newberg, who's the director of the Research um, Institute of Integrative Health in, in uh, Villanova, Pennsylvania. He just wrote a book called Principles of Neurotheology. It's now a subject, you know, the, how religion and our belief system affects the minds. So he came, you know, he studied nuns, he studied Muslims who, um, you know, use words as their meditation. And he found that those who pray with words rather than relying on visualizing techniques, they have uh, an increase in their language processing areas of the brain. And, um, and then others he tested with visualization, those who meditate with visualization. Now, those who know, interestingly enough, in the Islamic, quote, meditations, it's a lot to do with words. It's called dhikr. We sit and, and say just the name of Allah, you know, which is the name of God. Like some say is Yahuwah. So we say it's Allah. That's his name. And you can sit and just say his name with uh, the guidance of a sheikh, obviously, because we need to be grounded in it. So, and then if you look at Islamic um, art and architecture, you'll see calligraphy. So words are very, very important, uh, extremely important. And basically, that's what Sufi Salon is all about, actually. It's about never saying hurtful words 
if we never are those who hurt people with our words, then we're making for a wholesome life. Because if you look at it, anybody that is labeled a mental illness, it's really not what's wrong with them. It was, in essence, what was, what was said to you that was hurtful. That's really at the core of it. Uh, Zig Ziglar had written in one of his books that if it, taking a survey of those who were in um, the prison system, the majority of them said, I was told I would end up in prison. You know, so words have such an impact on our bodies. They remain there. That's been proven. When someone says a harsh word, it gets, it's a blow. In Arabic, love, the word for word means, you know, something thrown. You throw it and it gets attached to the body. And it's proven now. So, and um, in the Quran, God said, which means to him is taken directly up the good word, but a good action, the intermediate of the angels bring it up, which means the good word is at, a, at an instantaneously level recognized by Allah. Obviously, God recognizes everything without any time frame because he's the creator of everything. But just to give us an idea of how powerful words are, it can make or break the mind and the body. I think uh, oh, I am in strong agreement with you. And I know that most people really have can can say that. I mean, when you have a conversation, it's like they agree. But then it's when in a in a day-to-day -day situation as you said if you do not have a daily practice of being mindful of those words what happens is then you just say things that it it won't even benefit you okay uh like like i had a conversation yesterday on the text and the person said I'm stuck with it. So I don't want to give the whole detail because, you know, but he said, I'm stuck with it. So, and I don't have stress. Okay. But I'm stuck with it. So then I said, just be mindful when you say you're stuck with it, because actually you're telling me that you don't want to be stuck with it, but you're already saying I am stuck with it. So watch how you say those words, that statement. Then today she sent me an apology that she, you know, she just kind of overreacted. But those are the things that sometimes it's if we don't have that mindfulness of the words, then we just keep saying it. The problem lately, or let me say the challenge, I always want to say the challenge more than the word problem. The challenge is that there nowadays there are just so many things going on that we that you can't help but say like i really don't like that that why do they have to be so that's kind of being so evil you know that's kind of like being nefarious means you know so but those are like the words now i think i wouldn't uh i don't i wouldn't tell a person if the person really wants to say it i, I said go for it but what i wanted is that Maybe they don't have to say 24 hours a day. <laughs> you know, 
saying it, then it's really, as you said, that's powerful. You know, um, Sister Asra, what I think of it is that they are encryptions of energy codes. So when you hear it, and more and more that I'm learning about just, you know, life, our eternal existence in general, it's, it's the power of the words when you say it, the power of the words when you hear it and then and then when um that's why you're saying that okay in in your faith you say more words or the whatever you verbalize it more than the visualize but in in another faith too they they're very strong in most visualization right and then once in a while they put it together in words but i think I find it really good when I can combine both, okay? So that sometimes it's just like when there's some songs or in ancient terms, they, they call it also a song, P-S-O-N-N. And then they, I can hear like when I hear a word as if I can hear a tune, a tone, um, I, I can hear music in that word. And they said that our, we respond so good with our eternal self when it is like that. We are mindful that there's that trans harmonic, you know, um, communication. And that's what I think of as the connection also as the cure is being, being aware that, yeah, you could, you, there's that power in the visual, there's the power of the words, that's the power of singing things or, you know, all that come together in this, in this situation. Um, again, how do we help this, the people with, with all of these things that have been that the media keeps saying words that, we're, that makes us fearful or when I say us, I'm just talking in general when most people, I know that maybe half of the population don't really feel fear fearful because they have their own faith and hope practice. But what would be a good day today so that we could, they could always remember that connection is the cure and that connection to the words and everything. And and when you said the ripple, I. I like that it 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 brings me to two images the ripple of the of of the frequency it's kind of like good frequency to share but the ripple of like oh malevolent negative frequencies yeah. yes absolutely so that's kind of reminded me of the difference between placebo and nocebo, everyone knows about placebo, right? How uh, because of your belief system, there's a 30% chance there's going to be cure in whatever it is that you take. But then there's nocebo, which people don't remember. And that's the dangerous aspect. When, you, when the doctor tells you you only have such time to live, it's a very powerful impact on the body. And doctors, physicians have lots of stories where they end up dying on time because they were told that. So we have to be very wary. And of course, it comes with practice. And yes, let's go back to mention what Grace said, that um, it's all the senses. So I was just highlighting that the meditative practice in Islam, it's a lot to do with repetitive words and the name of God. But for sure, sitting and utilizing all the senses, you know, 
In fact, uh, we say that reciting while looking at the Quran, because then you're using your eyesight, is mm -hmm. even more rewarding. So the entire senses, in fact, uh, Islamic uh, architecture, you could see the senses become alive. So when we're with a person, it's using all of our senses. In fact, in Chinese, the character for to listen, if, if you look at that image, look up the image in Chinese, look up the character for to listen. It has 10 ears and then eyes, you know, one to just give an indication, 10 ears. So really to listen means with all of our ears or 10, magnify it with our, all of our um, senses. So being with another person, this connection means utilizing all of our senses to be present with that person. That's really what we teach at Sufi Salon. So it's not an overnight thing that, that it, it, it takes at least three hours of beginning training to get an idea of how we can become that person. Let's say even with the schizophrenic, because ultimately what we're saying is that is the cure for any kind of anything from the high level psychosis to the low level ADHD or anything in the spectrum. It's connection with that human being who's there with you with all of their senses. And ultimately that allows that other person. So here's two distinctions here. The person who is trained and who has that uh, abilities, who, who has been meditating, doing dhikr, that person now is in a position to heal others more than someone who hasn't had that practice. So we allow at Sufi Salon, the person who is coming and sitting with us, they can say whatever they want. Now, like what you were saying, you don't want, you know, friends or when you're talking to say, you know, say something negative. But we know in the end, always throughout life, there will be people saying something negative. Now, once we've built up our buffer system because of doing so much of dhikr and remembrance of our creator, then what happens is we're able to withstand when the negativity hits us. It's going to rebound and we won't, we will not, we will be able to be in a position where we don't absorb it. And Ultimately, it goes back to, to the other person transformed in love. That's what a, someone in a true meditative state does. That's what we witness the great masters and sages able to turn a murderer into a loving, gentle human being who transforms his life in the moment, who says, I'm not doing that anymore, or whatever he happens to be. So that's, that's what we're talking about here. So it starts from fully listening and then emulating. So that's what happens. Um, you know, it comes with training where we, the words become really important. But the person who is in that state of still needing the training, they can say whatever they want because we don't expect them to overnight know all of this. That's the whole point. They come in for training. And then they can say whatever they want, get it off their chest. But the person who is trained in this, uh, and then we avoid transference and counter transference. You know what happens in psychology and practitioners where it's a problem where the therapist takes on the patient's problem and then, yeah. the, and then the practitioner gives the patient sometimes. So it's counter transference. We avoid all of that. 
when we have somebody who is trained properly and it's some of those teachers that I mentioned last time who are masters in, in psychiatry, who are taught classically like this. And then what we present with Sufi Salon is from the sages in the Sufi realm, which is the core of Islam. It's the heart to heart connection. If we had to define what a Sufi is, it's somebody who is in the present moment loving their creator and loving the person they're with. Now I'm traveling, I'm in Atlanta right now, and actually part of it is to get the word out about Sufi Salon. I've been um, through many states, uh, Dallas, you know, between Atlanta and Dallas are all these Southern states and you find the whole gamut of reactions. It's such beautiful reactions. I mean, it's, um, to go out at a time like this is just enjoying freedom and allowing the human interaction. You know, obviously with somebody like me who dresses like this, you get different responses. So, um, but nevertheless, it's, it's a human connection that is there. And for the most part, I have to say, people are very, very respectful, even at the height of those you know, um, what the mainstream presents as, even with all of the mainstream saying, Muslims are terrorists, Muslims are terrorists, and down on the ground level, you'll get a much different response. Thankfully, you know, thank God that, you know, humans at a down to earth level are much more respectful than that, what they hear on the mainstream. So it's really nice to go out and really be with people and get that heart-to-heart -heart connection. So that's where the, what we do at Sufi Salon. We're able to train people. So the person coming in can even be vulgar. And he, they, that person may be vulgar. And we allow that. We allow that person to say whatever they want because that's where true healing occurs. Because they need to get off their chest what happened to them and allow it to be said to somebody who's still going to love them with open arms. And that's what we're saying is the cure, that connection where nobody is going to judge you for what happened to you and you're being uh, in angst and saying things that are negative, saying things that are harsh to hear, but someone who is in the present moment can take all of that without counter transference transference but give back only love and harmony that's what heals that's what cures oh it's so nice to hear that you're having you know good um positive friendly responses even when you're during your travels because you know um it sometimes we just imagine the opposite right and until we speak with person who has been experiencing such and it's good to hear hear that all the time. Uh, Absolutely, in, in, but you know what, Grace? What I can tell you is from travels, everyone wants to be heard. Okay. And everyone has this trauma that is reverberating within them and it it is left unheard. And ultimately that's where trauma uh, comes from, where well, one can be disoriented because no one has listened to them you know so and if you look at some of the examples you know like i, I quoted dr gabor mate uh, who is a who is a medical doctor who just became in the realm of a sage and a teacher who helped heal those who have mental illnesses just by listening to them 
So he says the real trauma is not what happened to you externally, that horrific thing that happened to you, regardless of what it is. But real trauma is what happened internally as a result of what happened externally. Meaning, were you able to talk to anyone about it? For the most part, no. Those who are labeled with various, and whether it's a mental uh, illness or some kind of disease that they're labeled with, it's usually no one that has listened to them in terms of what happened. You know, it's wrapped in shame or astonishment, which we already spoke about, uh, an abomination that is too much to unravel. That's why it gets repressed. That person did not find anyone to talk to about it. It gets stifled and pushed down until it explodes. And then you have PTSD or something else, or even where we get a false or distorted reality. That's where paranoia comes from. Paranoia comes from there is something real that happened, some type of trauma, uh, like the schizophrenic, who there is layers of truth underneath all the amalgamation of the visions that they see. So that needs to be unraveled by somebody who's not going to judge them, who's going to listen with all of their senses in the present and hold that person's heart by being connected because there was so much left unsaid that it became garbled and distorted such that they have those what we called strange visions. But underneath it all is some reality. So what happens to such people is there was all of that trauma, but then it became magnified and garbled. And now people say, oh, that's just, you know, crazy person. No, but if you, and then what happens when they are put on medication, that quote craziness becomes a hundred times magnified. Whereas if we left them be wholesome and allowed them to speak freely and embrace them as they are, then they start unraveling it themselves and we'll see the strata of reality of what they encountered and because of that repression. So then it becomes unfolded. There's, there's many, many examples of that. Um, but anyway, that's the beauty of someone being non-judgmental and sitting with such a person with complete love and harmony being reverberated back and forth. And it's back and forth. What's your thought on when it seems like the trauma is passed on from like one generation to another? Um, could you, could, is it possible that we could trace that back way, way, way beyond even this, this lifetime? Could, it could be just past, very past lifetimes. Well, I think what happens there is when it's not addressed, like we know now that the body holds it. And so we do have some understanding of genes being passed on, but it can also be changed. We also know now epigenetics is where even the environment can change those genes. So it comes from not being addressed. Then the cycle from each generation of that trauma gets passed on. If you look at Holocaust survivors. My mother-in-law is a survivor, was a survivor, um, uh, may she rest in peace, survivor of the Holocaust. And for sure, you know, anybody who's lived around um, uh, the Jewish people will see a lot of trauma there. Uh, Dr. Gabor Mate himself talks about it as he was a baby at that time during the war. So 
and it's just passed on. So once the address happens in that form that we're talking about, they're able to speak freely. And by the way, once it happens, the one common theme you'll see is such a person has so much to say. Uh, you know, it's 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 like you know, un, uncorking that bottle, and there's just so much to fizzle out. But somebody needs to be there to listen to them, and that's all that's needed. Listen without judgment, and allow them to diffuse all of that, and then they're able to explain it themselves. A lot of these schizophrenics, when they found the right therapist, and they're just sitting, and so sometimes what it takes is there's so much trauma they can't even speak, right? So what that practitioner does is just, it may even look like mimicking their posture, but it's a respectful mimicking because you're saying, I'm entering your world. So, and that practitioner will just sit, they may be rocking. You know, sometimes we see autistic kids do that, right? It's to comfort themselves. So lots of schizophrenics will do that. They'll be rocking. So a therapist will sit down and just rock with them. And they love that because they understand immediately they're not mimicking them or mocking them they're entering their world without judgment so allowing them that safe haven to speak freely and once that is given to them then they're able to open up just a little transom into that world and slowly with more and more exposure that will be released so that cyclical trauma passed on from generation to generation can be all healed it just needs to be addressed in the right form and this is the right time to do that actually because we're becoming all aware at you know like this patriarch uh, archetype of passing on the domineering aspects of patriarchy all of that i mean that comes from lots of trauma where you know the patriarch um you know that's classical just domineering type. And then, by the way, I look at Stockholm Syndrome. If you remember, Grace, um, at that program where we were in together, I addressed JFK Jr. saying, asking him the question, I don't understand. I need help with my community. The Muslims are not getting it, this, this false scenario of perpetrating fear about the virus, when we are the first ones to know that you know, what did the world do? Make it, tried to make everyone afraid of Muslims. Uh, tried to make everyone afraid of anyone that looks like me. And a lot of Muslim women stopped dressing like me because they didn't want, the, you know, the, it, it became very difficult to say the least. Um, so anyway, JFK Jr., uh, I'm sorry, RFK Jr., his response to me was when I asked, you know, I need help addressing my community that they're falling for this fear of the virus when we're, we should be the first one not to fall for that. And in fact, it's against our religion. You know, we're told not to fear anything except God. And that fear means fear of displeasing him because he is our creator. So, and just like we, we uh, love our parents and we fear, quote, um, to displease them because they give us so much. So in the similar similar uh, way. But anyway, his response, RFK Jr. to me was Stockholm Syndrome, meaning that where you empathize with your oppressor, that's the reason Muslims aren't getting it. Well, I look at it differently. Um, you know, I think S Stockholm Syndrome, what's really happening is that the victim is too 
afraid to confront the real oppressor. So that victim uses a weaker scapegoat. And I've seen it experientially. Whenever um, a person had someone they were petrified of, their real oppressor, they don't address that person because there's too much fear and shame there. So, but then what happens is they get a general paranoia about people or they transpose that, uh, that fear onto someone else. It becomes another family member, not the violent one that they're afraid of, but they start disliking or even hating some other family member because it's too dangerous to, hear, to uh, confront the real oppressor. So that's, now, how, that's how I how take Stockholm. Yeah. How would, in, in Sufi Salon, what would be the teachings or what would be the advice for that if you have that person who you know that they're not really addressing it to the right person? It's like barking on the wrong person. Bark on the yeah. Wrong person. Well, it yeah. would come with time. Again, bringing that um, heart-to-heart -heart connection so they're comfortable and ultimately it's up to them they don't have to necessarily confront that person but we just want them to stop blaming the wrong people right and and that will eliminate the paranoia as well it's up to that individual right they have a they have a right and a decision making to do whether they want to confront that person or not like what's happening in the me too movement not everyone wanted to speak up about it and everyone has a right for their path, their journey. So, but for sure, once that opening is there where they're given a heart-to-heart -heart connection with full embrace, we would hope at the very least they stop blaming the wrong people and are able to move forward. That's the most that we can expect from them. And then ultimately, however they want to um, address their actual oppressor is up to them or not, or maybe they want to forgive and just move on. It's, it's too much for them to even address. Each person there is an, uh, you know, an individual walk and they have a right to that. So, but you know, that's, that's the core of it. And what's your thought on when, how if some people could kind of just bounce back and see that you know, the healing comes from inside. And then while the others just perpetually blame the outside world. Yeah, that's a very good question. So when we think about it, let's look at it at the microcosmic level, the small trivial things. Most arguments happen about what happened. So at Sufi Salon, we get to the real matter. It's not about what happened. It's about how you feel about what happened. So then the argumentation dissipates because no one has to be on the offense or the defense because no one can take away your feelings. That belongs to you. So we get to the core. So for example, if something just happened and um, usually it's about somebody who didn't get us, right? So-and-so is saying this and they just didn't understand. And then they said this or they said that. So it's always argumentation about what just happened. That's not what happened. This is not what happened. You know, it happens between spouses and between um, parent and child, child and parent, friendships, and so on. But if we stop for a second and say, well, how do you feel about that? Then 
there's quietude and then the real matter gets addressed well i feel hurt then no one can argue with that if you feel hurt it needs to be addressed and at the core of it are very fundamental feelings i feel hurt or angry or neglected you know there's a whole wheel of emotions but at sufi salon we just get at the core of it and then that person feels entirely listened to with all of the senses when we get at the core of their feelings and that's what and it takes lots of reminders to do that so what we do is we take each person and the examples that happen to them from the latest thing that just happened because we all have the latest thing the latest person who didn't get us the latest whatever and then we get to the core of it well how do you feel about that and then it becomes a practice so that's what we like to train um, people to do and ultimately we would like everyone to know it and um, our, our goal uh, is ultimately to have someone available 24 7 on our online forum so that anyone in the world they don't have to wait for a therapist to get heard you know because this is not therapy it's just someone who needs to be heard and that allows that not to escalate to the levels where now it became a trauma and that another trauma that needs to be repressed. So we're stopping it from becoming a trauma at that level. So that's the goal. Okay. That's a very honorable goal. Now, when do you attract uh, people from other faith outside the Muslim faith? Absolutely. Actually, mainly we have people outside the Muslim faith. <laughs> okay. um, we're more yeah. known outside the Muslim. I haven't actually, we haven't really promoted much within because it's something just uh, from the training that I received, I felt it's something I need to give to the world. Um, and by the way, we're for proceeds, not profits. Um, so anybody that buys into any of our programs, it goes back into proceeds so that we could give freely to those others who can't you asked me that question last time what about those who are on medicaid well we give back most of our work is for those who can't afford it so our paywall helps support all of our work it's for proceeds not for profits and so um you know one of the projects we have upcoming and by the way uh for grace's viewers we have that special uh, sufisalon.com forward slash qn you can spell it with capital or or without capital uh either way you'll get to it the page but it needs to be uniform either both q and b capital or be lowercase so uh, we're working on a couple of projects there you'll see and one of them upcoming is um a coach so ultimately we, we wanted a place actually when we when sufi salon was about to be inaugurated that's when C19 occurred on the scene last year. So, and all of a sudden, of course, we found ourselves in a lockdown, but we, want, we were working towards a place where people could come in kind of like a, a cafe, but, but the senses are alive. You know, a place uh, that is beautiful aesthetically so that, you know, a person's senses are alive and uh, some of the artistic beauty that we talked about and even even the sense of smell like um i don't know if you've ever smelled bukhur 
like um, wood that is very, very fragrant. I think I have some. Let me give you an example. It does comes it, like from. Does the, it smell uh, like sandalwood? Sandalwood is an example of it, but here's one of my favorites. Um, but oh, when you have luxurious things of the senses, so what our plan is to get a coach rather than having a physical place now um, to get a coach soon um, that is aesthetically so pleasing that the person who is in disarray, who has a lot of angst, just walks onto our Sufi Salon coach and immediately the senses become alive for that person such that the, we, it becomes a catalyst to put them in a state of ecstasy because of the senses becoming alive. And now they can be heard and hear the most beautiful things said to them. You know, one of the verses in the Quran about paradise is لا يسمعون فيها لغوان إلا سلاما that you will not hear any speech there except peace. So that's that's what we want to uh, make a a little uh, paradise where we climb on board the Sufi Salon coach and you will not hear from the presenter anything except peaceful words. Now the person coming in can say whatever they want because we want to, them to get it off their chest. But the Sufi presenter who is sitting with them, who is trained in our techniques, will be giving back only words of love and harmony so that they can be embraced with those words and with all of the senses and divest themselves of all of that negativity. Um, so we're hoping the, for an event take place in the upcoming holidays where it's it's a three-hour submersion into such an environment climbing onto our our beautiful coach um, and experience it so ultimately it's about experiencing right i can only describe so much but um, whether you do it virtually with our programs we do have a discount offer for grace's viewers go to sufisalon.com forward slash qn and you'll see that but upcoming also it's not on the page yet but look in the next couple of weeks um, our first event with climbing on board our coach depending on where we're going to park it uh, god willing that's one of our projects coming up so you can experience it at a physical location as well oh okay that sounds very good now how do you how long do you think will the effect of that um that you expect like that serenity that some type of indirect healing do you know how long you think that will? yeah okay it, it's well everyone is individualized but we i mean in that three hours we have been able to train people who get it immediately and that's all they need because of their being ready for such a training it's it's actually very simple you know, the, the things that are most impactful in the world, and this is, this is one of the reasons why I felt like we need to do, give this to the world because my own teachings and learnings, how, how long it took to incorporate all of this. You know, obviously this is 20 years of my studies coming as a culmination. As anybody who has, you know, something to offer, 
it's not an overnight, but we, we, we do that. We give something that is compacted so the rest of the world doesn't have to wait those and, and figure it out within those 20 years. We want it compacted for everyone else. So literally in those three hours, they're getting the summation of what took 20 years and millions of dollars for us to formulate. Um, and that's why the price tag is what it is. Um, but it's actually a very, it's very discounted right now. It's half um, of what we offer uh, normally. So, but it's, when we understand that, it's a culmination of so many different experts from psychiatry, psychology, from the Sufi realm, incorporating all of the successes into one and we're able to formulate it within those three hours and give you the best training so that if you wanted, that may be all you need in order to even, even understand and be with someone else who has labeled something, at the very least your family members. You want to be able to, to give them the best of, of what you, you can do. So we're living in a world right now realizing that physicians aren't offering us solutions. Practitioners are not all offering us solutions, those from the standard of care anyway. We have needed to go outside of standard of care in order to get our healing. So, and so we have realized that hopefully that healing comes from a full spectrum understanding. And in terms of the mind, that's what we want to offer and the body. We also have um, upcoming uh, healing trainings for the body as well. But because right now there's massive psychosis going on with the perpetration of fear, which ultimately can make anyone get a labeled mental illness, you know, just by perpetrating so much fear that can cause mental instability in anyone. So we're all in this together right now. And all someone needs to do is look at, at the instability of human behavior right now on the ground from various levels of toxicity. So it's definitely, um, we need this and actually, um, you know, it takes away from my family, but my kids and my family know I, I don't want to live in a world where this is not offered because things are just so off kiltered. We need to, whatever works in a holistic level, we need to pass it on so that the world has it. It's a right that the world has to know that we have solutions for all of these things. So, so in hopefully this that describes it. Sorry, I just want to be clear for the viewers. So in this event, they can participate in person and online. Yeah, right. Well, online is ongoing. Those offerings are there online and upcoming, um, either if we can pull it off in the Thanksgiving weekend or at least by, we're hoping, God willing, by the uh, Christmas break, yes. that we will be able to offer somewhere where you come physically on board our um, Sufi Salon coach and experience the training there. Yeah. Then I, I, my other question is, um, what's the difference? If people might say, oh, this, that sounds like new age, except that it's being managed or organized by you in your, you know, coming from the Sufi. What's, what's, what's like the difference between the new age and this approach? Um, it's really not, I wouldn't categorize it as new age. It's really, um, 
an amalgamation of some of the top names that I mentioned last time, like Dr. Gabor Mate, my, um, uh, my, uh, you know, personal, personal exposure to uh, Dr. Daniel Fisher, who is a psychiatrist who became a psychiatrist after being labeled a schizophrenic and just having the right therapist listen to him. Literally, if you talk to some of those who were labeled the big time uh, labels of mental illness and got out of it, there's a there's a, a theme that runs parallel in all of them, which is the connection with their therapist, not the medication they were put on. So that's why it goes back to the connection being the cure. If you just start listening to people, and as I said, when you're traveling, you hear the whole gamut of people constantly say, talking. And that is a you know dead giveaway that that person needs someone to, to hear them out. You know, it's, it's one of our mottos at Sufi Salon, here to hear you, because others aren't doing it as much. You know, our parents, our family members, everyone is busy. Who's actually like listening? That. Who's actually listening with all of their senses and embracing you? So it's, and one of the things we say is, while you're waiting for your therapist, you can talk to one of us and we're here oh. to hear you. Yeah. Oh, I like that. We're here to hear you. Now, my, my last question, then, you know, you can make more announcement of what you needed to share is, I know you don't buy the narrative of what's happening, what's been happening now, but part of your um, part of your practice is you already use the cover for your face now, but for most of us, we're not used to that and the imp imposition of using the mask. What's your thoughts on that, especially for the children? Sure. Oh, I absolutely disagree with mask wearing for children. Absolutely disagree with that. I think it's criminal and uh, abuse uh, because you cannot breathe. Now, look at this. This is for religious reasons, obviously. not. It's not a mask. I can breathe here. It's not one of those that is closed off, you know, the type where both parts are closed. I mean, I don't know how anybody would do that. And it, you bring up a good point in that this is for religious reasons. So uh, being a practicing Muslim, so I believe that my scripture is not changed, meaning that, and this, by the way, is debatable. Um, you know, not every, obviously not every Muslim woman wears this. And there's, there's a freedom to choose there uh, okay. for, for a woman. There's absolute freedom to choose this. And uh, there's freedom in religion, right? In, in the Qur'an itself, God says there's no compulsion in religion. So the first thing uh, about any religion, but uh, definitely for Muslims, we are taught that, that humanity comes before uh, religion and religious rituals. So the fact that my fellow human being is suffering, I can't. I can't just sit there and pray and talk about my religion if mankind is suffering. I have to stop all of that and, and you know, help people. That's the first thing our religion teaches us. So it's a lot, it's something people don't understand about Muslims. Um, but that's the core of Islam is our human connection. So 
it's it's just a part and parcel and the core of Islam actually is all of God's creation you know we, we must worry about and God is going to ask that's the first question God is going did you know that your neighbor was suffering I don't need your prayer if you're if you're you didn't do anything to help my creation so that is at the core of Islamic understanding. But when it comes to, but we don't compromise uh, our religion, you know, because that's what gives us confidence to do what we have to do. So it depends on everyone's journey is different, right? We never compel anyone to take the same journey. So with more studies, I know what the scripture says. This is a choice. A woman has a choice to wear this or not, the, the niqab. There definitely is a difference of opinion on it. But for me, I feel more comfortable wearing it because then it allows the person to see that I want you to take me seriously for what, you know, what, what's in my mind. You know, forget about the physicality of me. So, but anyway, this is definitely a choice that a woman has. And that's why you see, um, I would even say the majority of Muslim women now don't wear it. So it's not a mask, that's for sure. And I am against mask wearing for children, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's abominable that if they are made to wear a mask when they can't breathe with that on. So. Yeah, I hear you. And um, I am, I believe that one of the gifts that the source, that you know, the creator gave us is that free will and that choice the choice and then that then, then we become accountable to our choices. And I just had to ask about that because I think I wanted to, although I haven't seen it, now when you when you since you have that already as part of your, you know, um religious whatever, you you they don't have to ask you to wear anything else, right? They don't have to ask you to put anything on top. Right? No, no, they have actually the only ones who did grace is a good question is in the hospital. They, there was, they follow me and, you know, uh, you know, with that, with that nanobot, those of us who know, you know, like they, they want us to wear that mask. Yeah. It was only in the hospital setting, which, you know, what I do is try to, I wear gloves in that case. And then I hold it at the tip. And then, you know, if they, insist and i put it over this and then i dump it as soon as i can and then okay. i go and wash all of this but i have to say uh, yeah i did notice that i cough a lot when they give me the the hospital masks so yeah. god knows what's in them there's definitely yeah. some kind of chemical for sure yeah. but yeah so for the most part they um thank god that this qualifies unless in a hospital and it was only one hospital where I had to take my mom for a test. And, the, you know, this lady followed me down the hallway. Usually I just start walking, but she insisted on that one. So it happened only mm -hmm. once, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a crazy environment nowadays, but it uh, surely makes us think. It surely makes us question many things and learn really many things as well. So um, absolutely. Thank you so much for, you know, doing this again with me and anything more. That's a pleasure. Tell us again about briefly the celebration that you're doing now. Yeah. So uh, today is the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, birthday. 
Um, so it's a grand celebration, especially amongst the Sufis in Islam. So um, we do, uh, you know, enjoy, all month enjoy celebrating his birthday. It's a time of such joy and happiness to the world, you know, um, and we get together and thank God we are getting together now. So in fact, um, this is the time of the year where I get the most invitations. So to speak and also just sing, um, you know, together uh, about his life story, peace be upon him. And so it's just a celebratory time and um, of joy, happiness, and bliss that the, the final prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, his birth brings so much joy um, to all mankind as he, he's for all mankind. One of the things we're taught about the prophet Muhammad, he's not for Muslims. I mean, his teachings, if you start looking at what he taught, it's for the whole world. In fact, you know, law has become really important. One of the things the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said about law, which is still practiced in all the courts today, cannot survive without it, which is the burden of proof is on the claimant. That statement, which is one of the ways we fight the mandates of, uh, of the C-19 enforcements, mm -hmm. um, when they tell us you must do this, you must do that, everyone is falling back on the statement of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, which he says, the burden of proof is on the claimant. Well, where do you get that, that, that I must do this? No, prove it. Prove that, that I have to wear your mask. Prove that I have to take this injection. Where are you getting that from? So, yeah, you know, the, um, the proof is on the claimant. That is still practiced in all the judicial courts in the world, said by Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Okay. Well, before we end, and we'd like to make the announcement again that you can go to sufisalon.com slash QN slash Q, uh, you know. It's just slash QN. Okay. So that, you know, if you want to be part of it and you could get some, you know, um, special in discount or something. It's okay? half, half right. off, yes. And um, would you and kindly, will you end in a prayer for us? Absolutely. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin salatan tashfina wa sallam alayhi salamin yudawina wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin salatan yantiqu biha al-lisan. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. So these are all um, prayers of sending blessings uh, on the Prophet Muhammad being his birthday, but specifically the main one that I mentioned is sending blessings upon him, blessings that also give us complete healing. So we ask God to give us complete healing through those special blessings upon him and peace and blessings upon all of his prophets. Thank you so much, Grace. It's Thank always a pleasure. So Thank you so much. And yes, thank you for all those who are who viewed us today, joined us, and please share it. And peace be upon all of you and all of us. Peace and blessings from Atlanta.